Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to a brand new series of Richard Chang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. It's series 10. I know series 9 literally just finished, but this is a new series uh, and a new world. It's with Armando Iannucci. It's really good. I hope you enjoy it. Um, If you do enjoy these, then if you live in London or can get to London on Monday nights, why not come and see some of them being recorded? We've got some great guests coming up on the 17th of October. We've got Chris Addison. That's Chris Addison, not Chris Addison, uh, from The Thick of It and uh, lots of other stuff. Fantastic stand-up comedian. Uh, We did have a very exciting American comedian lined up, but he has dropped out. So there'll be another guest as well. Uh, The 24th is two mystery guests. The 31st of October is a very exciting guest. I think I've confirmed and I can't uh, say yet, but I would advise you to buy tickets for that because that will sell out when I announce it. Uh, And uh, there's people including Lucy Porter, David Baddiel, Sarah Millican, all coming up this series, and hopefully lots more still in the process of 
booking it. Uh, but uh, go to dynasticsquaretheatre.com if you want to buy tickets to that. Or as it occurs to me, there's another as it occurs to me on the 16th of October, the monthly. Do come along. Plenty of tickets remaining. Let's sit back and relax and enjoy Richard Haynes. Let's get the... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has a sexually transmitted disease. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> hello, hello! Yes, thank you! Welcome. Welcome to Series 10. Count them. Oh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Or oh, I was down at the um, Junior Gazette uh, the other day. So, uh, there's a guy there called Colin. He's really cool. He called it uh, roller story. So I don't know if that's, that's, that's going to catch on. I do have a sexually transmitted disease. Well, in a way, I've caught, uh, I've caught a virus off my daughter, who I created with sex. Uh, that's what they don't warn you about. They're the worst. Because it's an ongoing... Once you've got a baby... There's just disease for the next 10 years. It's just awful. So you, whatever they get, you get. It's really horrible. I, I, you know, thank God I only record one of these a week because <laughs> the idea of having to talk to two people tonight would be... I mean, the second one. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, thank you very much. If you donated to the Kickstarter, um, we've, got, we've paid both for Series 9 and Series 10, which is lucky because we'd already done Series 9. Uh, so if we hadn't got the money for that, we would have been fucked. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. It's really uh, great that you want to support it in that way. Uh, oh, I've forgotten. To bring, I'll talk about that in the second one. I've forgotten to bring something on. Uh, with the, we, there will be a mention of we've got some product placement. It's kind of hidden behind this chair at the moment, but so we'll wait. That's one of the one of the Kickstarter uh, rewards. Uh, and yeah, it's like it feels like ages since we did these, but the news is all the same. Brexit's still happening, apparently. There's been no bad effects of Brexit yet, though, so that's good, isn't it? Because it hasn't happened yet! We're still in the EU! Stay in! Stay in! Uh, uh, Democracy has kind of self-imploded and punched... Everyone's sort of voting to punch themselves in their face and then say, yeah, we won! That means we can never do anything we want ever again. Uh, So uh, we're interested to see what happens uh, in America with Donald Trump. I'm very excited about that one. Uh, I've kind of got to the point where I kind of want him to win. Come on, it's going to be fucking awesome we're all dead anyway we're all going to die anyway so we might as well go out go out with him uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very obsessed with uh, CJ from Eggheads I can't get over I can't get over I talked about it on the uh, bonus podcast I did but uh, he's been uh, arrested for his imaginary crime I don't know what he it's a terrifying thing to be made you know make up a crime and then have to go to prison you have to go you have to go to imaginary prison and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. We have a, uh, a Dutchman in later who can talk about whether he's ever saw... ever saw CJ stalking the canals. <laughs> See if I know if he was ever pushed in. Apparently 12 more... In the year CJ from Eggheads was in uh, Amsterdam, 12 more people than usual died in canals. <laughs> I'm no mathematician, but that must... Uh, right, look, we're going to crack some on because we've got a fantastic first guest. Uh, and uh, in fact, what go researching uh, my, this guest just made me think, oh, what the fuck have I done with my life? Why? <laughs> it's a real way to make you think, fuck yeah, I've really, I really wasted uh, <laughs> the last 20 years. Because he really hasn't. You'll know him best. He was the former classical music columnist for Gramophone magazine. That is why we're, a lot of, you can see there's a lot of Gramophone 
Gramophone magazine subscribers in tonight wondering why he isn't doing that anymore. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> Will you please welcome Armando Yanucci, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome. Sit down. He's drinking beer. Sit down, there's a microphone there. All right, thank you. Good. I didn't know whether to touch you or not. Well, I, you know, you've been in a little, little room backstage with me, so you've already yeah, got the... You've got whatever I've got. I know it will go out <laughs> on the internet as well. Yeah. It'd be good, yeah, it'd be good if it goes online with this virus. It's not too bad. You must have had... You've got three children, two, two children, three children? Three children, yes. So you've been through all this three oh, times? yes, yes. Yeah. Vomiting, yeah. the works, yeah. every orifice. <laughs> Vomiting out of every orifice. Vomiting out of every orifice. <laughs> And, uh, and that's just the children. It is. It literally uh, yeah, is. It, is just it isn't just the children because it's also us as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's yeah. the thing. No. So why? <laughs> so why haven't they worked out that it's kids that that incubate these things and yet adults get it? Yeah. And yet, I don't know. I'm sure there's some. Uh, this isn't going anywhere. No, it isn't. No. It must be. But, we should have had it all. No. But the new children create new diseases yes. that we didn't have. Perhaps, that's, the, that's the beauty of... Perhaps today's freedom. newly announced Nobel Prize winner for medicine <laughs> can come up with an answer. Because... I think if I... The thing if I should win the Nobel Prize for something uh-huh. is someone who can make quite hot microwave food instantaneously warm enough for a child to eat without burning their mouth. That would be... <laughs> that's the invention I want to have. Right. Because you've got to wait and then... Do a lot of that. Yeah. Or say, could you just not... Oh, no, that wouldn't work. I was going to say, could you just not put it on so much? But, <laughs> but then that defeats the point it of does. microwaving, doesn't they it? They could just, yeah. you know, suck it out of the, out of the freezer. <laughs> just suck it until yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, here's a chicken lolly. <laughs> it is. Just... <laughs> what happened to the old gramophone magazine? Uh, the old gramophone what, what magazine? Well, it was something I did... Uh, uh, just on my sort of day off. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, and uh, but no, I know what happened. I used to write one of these. It was once a month. I used to write a column for Gramophone magazine on classical music. But then I did a film uh, called In the Loop, and it was uh, it just took up a lot of time. And the edit afterwards took up a lot of that. And I had to stop doing lots uh, of things just no. to kind of concentrate on. Is Gramophone magazine still going? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, they, do you they should change their name to something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the, the people actually still. Do you know they thought about it and they thought no. I tell you something though. The other reason I stopped was um, the classical music fraternity. Uh, it's just the worst bunch of cunts I've ever come across. <laughs> I they used to once a year I'd get invited to the gramophone Christmas party <laughs> yeah. and I thought well I'd go along and it was worse than you could because it was full of like obscure academic classical music critics yeah. who all hate each other. And all assumed that you share their hatred for that other person. You know, it was really worse than any sort of sub-college politicking. It was, it was horrible. Yeah. And I'd always leave these gramophone magazine classical music Christmas party drinks just feeling just unclean and <laughs> dirty and disgusted with myself, yeah. really, for the world I'd got myself into. You know, so that was another that reason. Was it? The, yeah. Uh, all yeah. of this. Like, so a lot of comedians get into drugs and yeah. hookers. <laughs> I I slid <laughs> desperately <laughs> into the dark world of appalling music critics. You know, yeah. But you've always you've always liked classical music. I like, have. Since yeah, you were yeah, young yeah. and everything. Yeah, so. I I don't know whether it's a reaction. You know, I used to share a room with with my brother who was into Lou Reed and David Bowie and yeah. Rolling Stones and all that. And I think you just re- react. This is about the way I explain <laughs> it. You kind of react against what's been forced out. And, and so I just thought, 
well, this is fine, but it didn't feel like me. And for some reason, I just remember it, some music, uh, some music lesson at school, teacher put on a piece of, um, I think it was The Planets or something like that, and I just thought, oh, I like that sound. That, mm-hmm. I want to hear more of that. And I just got more and more uh, enthusiastic about and you it. You were really. the only school kid who listened to Planets and wasn't laughing at Uranus when that came up. <laughs> I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah, they all sing in Uranus. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a chorus of female voices at the end of Uranus. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I must, yeah. I must dig it out and have a yeah. listen. No, I can, I can, I can make a joke about classical music yeah. as well. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not hung up about it. Who is the best at classical, at classical music? music? Who's, Who's the, the best, best at classical music? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the best at classical music is is probably Daniel Barenboim. Oh yeah, because he can play the piano. <laughs> And he conducts an orchestra. Right. Can you uh, write it, though? Does he write on stuff as well? It's harder to write it than play it, isn't it? Uh, I, well, I don't know. Ask, ask Mr. Barenboim. I, will but, ask uh, him. I, I don't know. I'm going to get him on next week. Yeah. I think, be, I think he'll be disappointed he came. <laughs> I don't really. It's, you know, it's going to be. Yeah, I'll yeah. say, are you the best be at classical of, music? He'll be full of bitter remarks about other conductors <laughs> and, <laughs> just, and, and that party that he has to go to every Christmas. The conductor's party we have to go to. So we'll talk about something that the people... What about the... Um, well, I think people would be more interested in the pot, the pot noodle advert he did with Peter Bainham. I was hoping to get... <laughs> yeah. Peter's in the country in on and off at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I was really hoping to get him on for the last 50 minutes We, we could have recreated to, it. Yeah, to yeah. talk about how you put it together. Because I I we nearly had him on in the last series because he was in and out of the country. Mm. And uh, I, I watched them all again. You make him sound like some kind of... <laughs> Like he's on the run. <laughs> Maybe he is. He keeps, he's changed a lot, hasn't he? He's a different kind of man now. He's in LA. Doesn't, yeah, yeah. Doesn't eat chicken lollies anymore. No. Uh, yes. What uh, What do you remember about the two Gordon? Did you Did you write it and direct it? We, yes, we kind of co. We devised it together. We, they came up with this brief, which was I'm trying to remember now. It's such a long time ago. Um, As if you don't read it every night. <laughs> laugh at your. <laughs> too gorgeous. Yeah, he said, "Too gorgeous." That's right. That's it's right. Really yes, funny. he. Yes, it was. They were. They, the advertising agency were told by Portnoy, "We'd like to kind of get across the fact that they're actually healthier than people think they are." <laughs> and the ad agency thought, "Well, no one's going to believe that. So why don't we come up with a, a mock campaign that Portnoy are saying how healthy they are, and then have this character, Peter Bainham." trying to subvert it by saying, no, they're not, they're really bad for you. <laughs> and I'm very proud of the fact that we did get out on Christmas Day an advert where it says, Port Noodle, they're really bad for you. <laughs> but, but it only went out once, and then I think somebody made a phone call and it was taken off. <laughs> when you're not allowed to say, wasn't there a thing saying, that, what's all this about? You weren't allowed to say, Pot Noodle is nutritious, because the advertising standards came back and said, it is nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there were, there were things you couldn't say, like you couldn't have a go at, um, you couldn't have a go at, like, broccoli. <laughs> because the broccoli marketing board were, you know, were very powerful. Yeah. Or, you know, you couldn't, it, it was like attacking another brand in a way. So yeah. You, so you couldn't do it. So we had to say things like, you know, leaves and... <laughs> <laughs> green leaves and things like that but you just think well you you make an advantage of of your limit of what you what the limitations are sure. and you just play about with that really yeah. you know 
You did quite. A lot, you did work on quite a lot of adverts. You did. You did the post office one. Post office one with um, uh, Bill Oddie. Yeah. Yeah. How was and he? Bill Oddie and Westlife. <laughs> um, not the same. No, Bill Oddie. Um, we had to have Bill Oddie in. Uh, what do you call it? A hide, like a hide, and then like five hundred ducks all yeah. suddenly had to appear, right? In another one, Westlife, we just had to get them to say things, but after every take, Westlife would just separate, go off in like four or five different directions <laughs> and have their makeup and then come back again. And, I, and it was literally easier to herd four, 500 ducks <laughs> than Westlife. Was Bill Hod- Billoddy good to work with? He was good. He was he very, yeah, he was very jolly. Okay. He was good, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'd quite like to go, I don't know if the, all, the, all the goodies are still with us. Yes. I'd quite like to get the goodies on here. Good, yum, yum. They are, they're yeah. good. Yes. But I don't yeah, know, are they, are they still friends? I've, I've, I've met Garrett Graham Garden the other day. Yeah, he's he, quite shy. He is Graham very Garden. shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he, he opens up a little bit and he's got lots of interesting Yeah, stories. he's funny. Yeah. He's funny, yeah. I don't know if they all still hang out together. I think and him and Tim do. Go but... tricycling yeah. on the... <laughs> Well, I think they sold their bike to those, uh, the other guys. Oh, God. I'm too old to remember the name of their group. That's ridiculous. Uh, the Fast what? Show. The Trap. That's right, The, the Trap. trap. They're three, uh, three guys that do a podcast and a sketch show. Ah, right, it, uh, okay. So they bought, they bought the bike. It wasn't worth, it wasn't worth getting there for. Never mind, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll edit it out. So let's go back to the, the young Armando Iannucci in Glasgow as a youngster. Yeah. Your dad uh, ran a pizza factory. Yes. What's that? What do you mean, what's that? It's a a factory that makes pizzas. You just make them in an oven at the back of the shop. What's that? It's a pizza factory. (laughs) What's that? Well, I've just told you it's a pizza factory. Why do you keep saying, what's that? How many pizzas? The clothes in the top. Pizza factory. It's a kitchen, isn't it? No, no, no. This was a a production line of... uh, it, it. I mean, it was like a huge factory, but it... It had kind of like a... a kind of it had an oven in it. it had, we made up, made up two of, pizzas a day. <laughs> it had a kind of Heath Robinson-like long machine. Yeah. And the, you know, the dough would come on to start, and then the, uh, the tomato would go on at the yeah. tomato base, and then the ingredients would spill onto yeah. it, and then it would go under the... You know, it would yeah, like how you make a pizza. That's how, <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked how it worked, you know I mean? <laughs> I'm struggling to come up with anything more exotic than the fact it was a factory that made pizzas. Did you, did you work at the pizza factory in, in the, the summer? Summertime? In yeah. the summer, yes, yes. What job did you do? Oh, did just you... <laughs> which which bit were you in charge of? Just packing. <laughs> packing. I was quite young then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so you've got this. You're an Italian family. Yes. Living in Scotland. Yes. Uh, Quite a lot of Italians in, yeah. in Glasgow and Edinburgh. It's a big well, Italian Glasgow's community. Well, Glasgow's got a, a, a very big immigrant population yeah. of all, all kinds, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually very, uh, and it was, uh, it was because it used to be uh, a shipbuilding yeah. centre. So, uh, and, and, and in the olden days, in the uh, pre-internet days, people would travel by ship. So, and <laughs> my, <laughs> so my dad, after the, after the Second World War, he... You know, everyone's looking for work, and, and you go by boat. So yeah. his boat got into Glasgow, uh, and there are jobs there. Was the pizza factory there? And he no. worked in it, or did he go? No. I'm going to build a no, pizza. No, no, no. He came up. With <laughs> um, 
And, uh, yes, so that's why a lot of them settled in Glasgow. Why you get a big Italian community in Cardiff as well. Yeah. Anywhere where there's been, like, heavy industry. So do you feel more Scottish or more Italian or as as some man with no country? I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. When the... Well, we've been through so many referenda, but when the Scottish (laughs) referendum happened, I, I was... And I lived in London. You know, I didn't want Scotland to vote for independence because I just suddenly thought... I'll feel homeless. I'll feel that's my home. Yeah. I, 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 but I don't like the idea of suddenly being a, a foreigner in England. And now that the other referendums, <laughs> I'm very confused. Yeah. Just to, all, all my layers of identity have just been stripped off. <laughs> and uh, there is no, you know, small husk of a kind of pure Englishman at the bottom of it, I'm afraid. No. So I'm just, it's just empty. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know what I am or where. Do you think the whole thing was set up just to annoy you? To, <laughs> let's get in Scotland yeah. out of Europe. Yeah, that Liam Fox, he's had it in for me right from the start. Yeah, you, the you, prick. You, you, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we've yeah. got to talk about politics. Mm-hmm. Tell you what you should do. You do uh, think of it about Brexit. Yeah, so, uh, that's what you, should, uh, you can have that. You can have that. Like I gave you Alan Partridge. You how would, can have how that. would it work? Yeah, you can, no, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. How, how would it, uh, <laughs> I don't get like um, some of the characters from the thick of it, and they're talking yeah. about um, what would happen in it. Well, trying to work. What would out happen the, different from what actually <laughs> happens? <laughs> trying to work out how to leave the EU. Yeah, be good. And, and then, then and come, Doctor Who comes in and goes, "Fuck you off." <laughs> You fuck off. <laughs> That's the first two minutes. <laughs> and then they, they then they realise that the ballot paper has got a misprint on it and it says no and no. Instead of, and oh my God, and should they let it out? Or should they keep it quiet? And then Ollie gets drunk in a pub and admits it and a reporter publishes it as a story. And uh, soon... soon my the, idea, this is remember... So, Soon the press are furious <laughs> and Malcolm plants a rumour that are all started by the man who first came up with the word no. So they, <laughs> they trace his great-great-great-grandson to a small house in Perth. Not Perth, Australia, Perth in Scotland, oh, yeah, which yeah. just complicates matters. And so the press are camped outside the small house in Perth saying, why did you fuck up the referendum <laughs> with your double no ballot paper and the minister says I think we got away with it only to discover that she had a microphone on when she said that and it was broadcast across Times Square and via the International Space Station to Vladimir Putin who launches a nuclear strike that's the first five minutes (laughs) (laughs) very good literally that easy see that's why you should do it yeah it's easy, it's easy. I've just done it it's yeah, great it's good it writes itself it, but it's like you know I mean I know you wouldn't want to go back to that anyway but mm. um, it's, it, do you feel that the world events have overtaken satire to an extent yeah, it's, it's impossible just, I don't know what to I, I said this the other day I just can't I don't find Donald Trump funny I don't find him funny I find him appalling I can only think of appalled things to say <laughs> about yeah. it There's, there is that stage of We've, you know, we've we've gone into this slightly fictional world, really. There's no need to have things like think of it, so because what's on the telly and the news feels fictional. I mean, like you said at the start, 
you know, and I berate you for this, saying I'm tempted to vote for him just to yeah. see what happens. I think that's what a lot of people do. <laughs> Maybe. Because they're so pissed off and they're so, you know, we haven't been listened to. Let's just vote for it and but see what happens. Isn't that what's know? happening with all the elections? Is it's yeah. people saying, I don't like what's going on, so I'm going to I'll yeah. give you a bloody nose by voting for this guy who's the exact opposite of what yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's good so, to- I mean, Trump has somehow managed to make himself to. Uh, identify as being some kind of outsider, <laughs> some outsider, <laughs> billionaire outsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like like Bruce week, Wayne. Yeah. Even this week, after his, <laughs> after, his, <laughs> after his appalling kind of uh, Bruce Wayne in a Donald Trump suit <laughs> that can can, can misogynise someone from still, fifty he, yards. <laughs> <laughs> Even after his appalling <laughs> appearance in this debate, yeah. he's still at 45% of the people. I know, it is extraordinary. I mean, that's just terrifying. What's more terrifying is, like, not, not so much watching it. I do watch the debate. I, I, you know, the fool... I thought it would be awful to watch, and it was kind of mesmerising about how awful it is, you know. It's like watching a horror movie where you just... You keep watching. Yeah. Um, but read the transcript. Read the word-for-word transcript, because that is... That is bleak, because it's just random words. Ran- the sentences that go on, you know, through centuries and just don't reach any... It's, you know, and every now and then, <laughs> you know, there's a great wadge of stuff from him. You know, i got to tell you, we, the computers, cyber China, we've got to... I tell you, she didn't do it, she didn't do it... I'm the one because I gotta tell and believe me, believe me, we've gotta we've gotta you know and there's that for like half an hour, right? And then and then you just read Hillary Clinton, did you just hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you you know, yeah. that goes back to yeah. she didn't you know, I got you know it was his microphone, though. So oh, it's his the microphone. Same, it's the same for me. I sound really croaky in yeah. this because George, our sound guy, is not really good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was saying how uh, Hillary Clinton's going to get the vote of every sound guy now. <laughs> and there are a lot of them <laughs> in America. Said, yeah. was, it, was it that the sound was blocking out every other word? <laughs> it could be. Which is why it sounded so incoherent. Oh, oh no, my product, my product placement's fallen over. Okay. <laughs> Do you have to actually do an advert then? Do you well, have to... I do, well, I, we have, yeah, well, we'll talk about it in a bit. Okay. I will, uh, it's not really an advert. I'm going to discuss it with you and you can say what you think about it. That's oh, an great. Advert. You okay. can say, this is shit if you want. Okay. And then the man who's in the audience who brought the stuff along goes, oh, I paid 300 There's a very good... There's a, <laughs> there's a very good American podcast, political podcast called yeah. 5, 538, which is Nate Silver and his, you know, wonks who look at the polls and try and work out how the race is going but they have to read out an advert in the middle of it, and it's for pants. It's for underpants. (laughs) But it's a serious advert. But it's not like they've got someone in to do the voiceover. They can't afford a kind of... No. So they have to do it themselves. Yeah. So they do a kind of... So where do you think... Do you you see in Pennsylvania the swing? (laughs) There's the under-30 voters who are not coming out for Hillary Clinton, and yet you've got the white, uneducated male, blue-collar workers who are very demonstrative of their support for Trump. In a minute. But first, have you ever considered your underpants? Uh, You want to feel comfortable, you want to feel warm uh, when it is cool, you want to feel a little bit more enclosed when it's a little bit breezy. Well, we said, you know, and then. They're not even allowed to make hang to the left jokes. No. And you can just hear in the background all the other policy experts just going. (laughs) Well, that's partly why I've always resisted before, but hopefully the things we've chosen to be, uh, you know. 
it's appropriate. Might, be, might, might not appropriate, but just inappropriate. Well, just weird to hopefully. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Um, and I wanted to talk. I didn't know yeah. about this, but I, I was fascinated talking to Graham Lynn about something similar. That uh, with the thick of it, it, there was an American pilot before Veep, which yes. obviously is a yes. sort of extension of uh, the thick of it, or a, you know yeah. another way of looking at it. But there was an actual American attempt at the uh, thick the pilot. Of it. Yes, yes, with Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt was Malcolm, was Malcolm Tucker, right. <laughs> and, uh, and Ollie was turned to, to was was a girl, and, um, and and Christopher Guest directed it. Yeah, and Mitch Hurwitz, who did uh, Arrested Development, yeah, uh, showrun it. So so what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and it was tedious. It right. was what happened was it got sold to ABC, who are one of the big mainstream networks, yeah. but owned by Disney. Um, so there was no swearing. It was all conventional. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how you just laugh right from the word go. Yeah. So how could you do the thing without swearing? I know. And, and I was, I, I was. This was my first taste of America. Actually, yeah. my first trip to LA, and I was flown over. We're so excited to see you. It, it, Sony were making. It, it was show around Sony. I, I sat in. The house that um, Gone with the Wind features in Gone with the Wind, which is a set of offices down right. there, so it's all very exciting. And uh, I got a lot of what um, what someone later told me uh, was is called uh, depressed hyperbole, which is what you get in uh, meetings in Los Angeles, which is depressed hyperbole, which is you go into a meeting and there's someone by a big desk who just goes. We're so thrilled to have you. It's, <laughs> it's such an honor to meet you. It's, uh, we're, so, we're just big fans of your work. And you realize that's the fourth, you, you're the fourth person that yeah. they've had that meeting. And uh, so I thought, oh, it's all very exciting and they good to have me. And then I, heard, I didn't hear anything from them again. Right. And they went and made the, the thing without my involvement. And then, so, I mean, the, I, that happened with Graham. So I can't yeah. understand how that is even allowed to happen. No, I don't think it would the, now. I don't think no. it would. Um, I think it happened at a time when, uh, and this was a BBC thing, they were just so excited to be speaking to someone yeah. in America that they <laughs> sold it for a pound. <laughs> I, th- I think they sold it for some beads and some, <laughs> a shell. I got given a shell saying, this is, this is your cut of, of what, we, what we've... We've sold America the thick of it for this, <laughs> and, uh, and a potato and stuff. Um, I don't think that happens now, but that's what happened at the time. And, and, but it was interesting, because it was my... I kind of... I learned from it, and I, I actually put it into In the Loop, which was the, the thick yeah. of it movie, where all the um, British politicians go over to America and think they're going to have some kind of say yeah. in the war, and then realise they've been utterly shafted <laughs> and then ignored. And that was really based on my uh, right. trip to LA on that. I mean, it's sort of weird, with, yeah. especially with your stuff, because I think your yeah. stuff so much depends on you and and mm. and you being, like, in the in the way the old days it used to work, they'd go, hey, here's the money, go and make what you want to make and let's see what it is. Yeah. And it seems to be what you've done but from then the start. You've sort of, gone off and done your own thing. But and, it came good in the end because yeah. in amongst those initial conversations, I, I spoke to HBO, yeah. then went and did In the Loop, and then HBO got in touch, heard that Thick of It wasn't happening in America. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for, for in the loop, we had to get a letter from Sony saying we could make a film with Malcolm Tucker in it, right? Because the BBC had sold them like the character, you know. I mean, just, you know, for a little bag of tobacco, who <laughs> <laughs> still sits on the director general's desk, you know, the little bag of tobacco from Sony. Um, 
uh, and HBO said, look, you know, we want to do a show about Washington. Yeah. We saw it in the loop, we like the thick of it. But they very much were like the BBC were, HBO. They very yeah. much would get the people in and then we just let them get on with it. Yeah, them. yeah. So that's when we made Veep. So. Yeah. So it sort of came good in the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird, though, isn't it? It's weird that, so that these incredibly intelligent people who've worked mm. on massive hits yeah. kind of don't get how that, that it but works. It, but there's a lot of that, though, isn't there? I think it's the sheer numbers involved as yeah. well, because there are so many people there, and they're all, they're all called vice presidents, so vice president programming, vice president you know, scheduling and yeah. commissioning, development, all that. And they all have to justify their job, yeah. really. And, and I, I don't think they have much to do. Because when you're making a show, you're busy. But when you're, when you're going, let's have a show about politics, that, you're not really busy. That's just that one <laughs> sentence. Uh, and, and then you invite everyone to do it. Then the next thing is you've got to invite everyone who's done anything about politics yeah. to a meeting. Because you don't want to be fired if your boss says have you had that guy in for a meeting? So you have to have everyone in for a meeting, which is why you end up having the meetings with this tone of, we're so excited, because <laughs> you're just, you know, you're the 101 person that yeah, they're yeah. saying. So there's a lot of that going on. But the interesting thing I found about HBO is they're not, they're tiny, they're small. Yeah. I only had to deal with one person, really. They're a very small outfit. Yeah. <clears throat> was it an ambition of yours to go to America? Cause I, I, to no, a, I don't think it was an no. ambition, no. I, I mean, I've always been fascinated by American comedy and yeah. American politics. And I've always um, admired, you know, stuff that HBO does and also AMC. And, mm-hmm. and, so it was great that they, uh, uh, you know, made the approach. And I thought this is really exciting. But yeah. I think it was, it was the project and the people involved in it that was the And were you, out, you were out with Veep for four years or five years? It, it was probably on the whole five years because yeah. we do a pilot first and get that going. Sure. And then you come back. And, then you, and you were coming back and forth. I was so, that was a crazy thing. I was yeah. commuting. I was commuting. <laughs> <laughs> Not all year. We, we, they were really good, actually, because it was all the Thick of It writers, all the Thick of It directors. And we edited it in London. We wrote it in London. Um, the cast came out to London to rehearse it. Right. But, but in the end, we'd shoot it in um, Columbia, which is halfway between Baltimore and Washington. So it was on the East Coast, right. which was better than the West Coast because it's just easier to fly to. <laughs> but also, it, you know, it allows you to go into Washington to shoot, yeah. sort of exteriors and stuff like that. But it's, you know, it's five hours time difference and it is flying. And I, I tried to do like two weeks out there, one week back. And, and after... Really, after about three years of it, I could tell that I was just a zombie, yeah. you know? Not just out there, but at home as well. So that's when I decided to, <clears throat> after the fourth season, that I would stop. Yeah. So you've, you've, let, you've sort of yeah, walked yeah, away I've, from it completely. Yeah, completely. I mean, they asked, do you want to stay on? And I thought, you know, if a new guy's taking over, they ought to take over, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to know who's in charge because that's the other thing if there are too many people around i think that's where the problems with these other shows happen is this there's too many people yeah sort of in charge so no one quite knows who the ultimate person is in charge yeah and therefore decisions get fudged and so on so uh, i i thought it was important that um that that dave mandel who took over the showrunner was in charge yeah. and felt he was in charge and the cast felt he was in charge and the writers felt in charge you know <clears throat> it's it's an amazing idea that no one. It's amazing that no one had that idea before for Veep. 
it sort of seems like what uh, set in the vice president. Well, just yeah, the, yeah, a sitcom set around the vice president. It's, it's, it's like I suppose yeah. in the West Wing, they kind of had the vice president as a character as a little, but not, not very much. Yeah, it's but interesting. It seems the most obvious. The pilot of the we- of the West Wing was really meant to be about um, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Josh, not CJ, not uh, oh, what's his name? Sam Seaborn. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Sam. It was really meant to be about him, Sam yeah. Seymour, who was like the deputy chief, uh, deputy speechwriter. Yeah, and and Martin Sheen just sort of bobbed in and out in the background. But yeah. of course, everyone watched it and go, "Well, I want to know more about him. <laughs> that guy over there, he's in charge. I want to know more about." So then it became about the president. Yeah, you know? and um, and I suppose we were looking for a comic um uh kind of uh idea behind yeah, yeah. it so the idea and i read this amazing book um uh, uh, robert caro has written this huge biography of lyndon johnson uh and it's an extraordinary book i mean he's now written it's like four thousand pages and johnson has just become president <laughs> so we've still got vietnam to go through you know but anyway, he's still writing the next volume now but it is an amazing uh it's a gripping account of someone who's very, very, you know, from day one wants to be president, is trying to work out how to be president. And, you know, rises up, becomes a congressman, becomes a senator, becomes chief major- majority leader in the Senate, gets enormous reform enacted, becomes the most powerful figure after the president. Yeah. And then John F. Kennedy becomes president. So he, he thinks, what do I do now? I'll become vice president. Because on balance, one in four vice presidents become president. Right. Okay. That was his. That was the. That's the math he yeah. did, uh, and and it worked out. And so I thought that's really yeah, good. It did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it worked. It worked out. You know, Kennedy is like swings and roundabouts. Really, you know, it's sort of you know you win some, you lose some, and. Um, in a way, it was lucky he wasn't president. One of the first time. <laughs> in a way, yeah. You thought, oh, that was a shame. Oh no, it worked out quite well. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Not president yeah. that time. So, kids, uh, <laughs> if you want to make it in life, um, latch yourself onto someone who's going to be killed. Um, uh, uh, no, but what was interesting about that was there was a powerful figure because he just ran the Senate. Suddenly, when he was vice president, reduced to being this guy who they sometimes forgot to invite to meetings, <laughs> who was literally drumming his fingers, you know, yeah. waiting for staff, <clears throat> waiting for the president to ring up, and, and you, know, uh, you know, emasculated. And yet, <laughs> people were still had to reserve a little bit of um, uh, um, respect for him, because you never know. Yeah. And in fact... <laughs> yeah. So, and, and we talked to, when we were researching, we talked to a guy who was chief of staff for Joe Biden and previously for Al Gore. And, and he said, yeah, it's that thing of America's all about winning, about coming number one. And yet if you're vice president, you're, you're more or less going around with a badge saying number two yeah. all the time. And it can be demeaning. And you sort of, he said, you know, when you come into a room, people, people will laugh at you about you as you leave, but not in front of you, yeah. because one day you might be president. Yeah. You know? So there's that kind of... And I thought, that's quite a funny... Yeah, no, definitely. Especially if we make her a former senator, and she was once powerful, and, you know, she's yeah. not, a, not a complete idiot. You know, she has been elected, and she has been successful, 
but suddenly she's got nothing to do and yet there's that ambition and and the big things are happening next door and how yeah. can i get next door so that was the starting point for yeah, it yeah i mean but it's that's what yeah. i mean that's what i suppose what's interesting about it is there's that there's that perfect scenario there mm. and yet no one had thought to do it that's it's kind of encouraging as a comedy writer to go oh there <laughs> yeah. is there are because there's so many people trying to think up the perfect sitcom yeah. or the perfect situation i think, I think also that's, yeah uh, that's such a good you know it's such a I think also after Dick Cheney, it no longer became a joke joke, a kind of bog standard joke, the vice president. You know, they could be powerful and they could be influential. And maybe that was then why (laughs) it felt like a good place to set it, really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, how interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that. <laughs> Not many interviewers do that, do they? It's a sarcastic. It was interesting. This could, could be a new section <laughs> in the new series. There should always be a, a, a very interesting this is moment very interesting. Where, you, where you stroke your chin. <laughs> and there's just a little slight awkward pause. <laughs> Well, that's why I have emergency questions now, Amanda. Oh. Some new, I foolishly, for one of the Kickstarter awards, said I'd do a book of 500 emergency questions. <laughs> I thought that'd be easy to do. Yeah. I've, I've started writing it. I've written all the ones down in this book and about three more. Uh-huh. And there's 103 so far. Okay. It's, there's quite, it's quite hard to come. And then I've got to come up with loads more for individuals. Yeah. I'm an idiot. But here's some of my new ones. If you were granted the powers of a King Midas, but yeah. could choose what everything was going to turn into... <laughs> What would everything turn into in Armando Yunucci's King Midas world? <laughs> um, I think either carrot. <laughs> yeah. Carrot. Carrot. Because carrots, yes, I like carrot. Raw carrot, not cooked yeah. carrot. Okay. Carrot is useful. Well, also, if it's raw, you can cook it. You can. And if it's cooked, you can't make no. it raw. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. You should get the Nobel Prize for physics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so carrot or uh, um, yeah, trifle. It has to be trifle. Yeah, not I, chocolate. You trifle. know, but then everything would turn into it, and all you'd touch your wife, and she'd turn. But that's into the essential Midas problem. It is a problem. It? You know, you well, never got to get up with solution. I never got to get around that. Everything I would touch would turn into what it was, but holding some diamonds that they would then give to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what King Midas should have got. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever killed someone but never spoken about it? And would, and would you like to speak about it now? Yeah. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> if you have killed, don't talk about it. That's, that's yeah. well done, Amanda. You, got, no. you didn't fall into my trap. Um, he, he had a slightly... I don't know, it was a slightly forgiving look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> As, as the final shard of glass uh, <laughs> given away too much. W- went in his eye. The police can work that out. That, that's <laughs> this guy from Eggheads, right? Yeah. CJ from Eggheads. CJ from Eggheads. Not his real name. No. Uh, isn't he meant to be clever? Well, I mean, <laughs> out of all the Eggheads, Eggheads is quite an easy quiz because they right, give you okay. all the answers. Well, that's rubbish. They, you know, they, you, get, you get a multiple choice and any decent quizzer can work out. Yeah. Which, you know, I think it would be a good quiz if there were no choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's pretty bad at it still. Okay. He's, usually it's him at the back. When it's the final round, right. it's usually him sitting behind going... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take out Dick CJ from... from like, What's the point? You <laughs> let him stay in there. Am I right? I'm thinking people, a lot of CJ fans, they, since he's murdered someone, you like him, man. It. 
I used to joke about him and go, yeah, he's an idiot. Now, now he's dangerous, Rich. He could have you ever, push you in a Have you ever killed anyone? Um, no, well, apart from the, possibly this little girl that okay. I mentioned yeah, before yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I dreamt about. <laughs> I, had a t- I had a dream last night that I was, uh, the time uh, that I was in the Twelve Disciples. And, uh, which one were and you? I don't. I can't no, okay. remember which one I was. But then Jesus was talking, mm. and we couldn't quite hear him in the back. And I said, "This is like in life." <laughs> <laughs> it was just when we were meeting him for the first time. <laughs> in, uh, in sort of prison, in sort of prison, like end of year Christmas shows and talent shows yeah. and stuff. Do you think the murderer does observational comedy about murder? <laughs> yeah, yeah. they should do. It'd be good. <laughs> Because to other murderers, it would work. Yeah, well, other I get a it. crowd like this. I mean, there would be an audience going, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I know. It, it, yeah, that's awkward, that bit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. Yeah. Another new one. Do you think the Tim Allen film, The Santa Claus, could ever happen in real life? <laughs> I don't think it has happened. No. What happens in the Tim Allen well, film, Santa Claus? T- t- uh, from memory, uh, <laughs> Santa Claus gets knocked off a roof and dies. Uh-huh. Uh, don't spoiler alert. And uh, and then the Tim real Allen, Santa Claus, the real Santa, the real Claus, Santa Claus, and then Tim Allen, who's just a bloke with a yeah. and he's divorced, but he's trying to get, he's trying to get on with his kids, but you know they don't yeah. identify with him because uh, he's Tim Allen. Mm. Uh, <laughs> free Buzz Lightyear toys as well, I guess, but it doesn't help. And uh, is um, he uh, he becomes Father Christmas, slowly turns into Father Christmas, and then becomes Father Christmas, and that's how you get the Father Christmas is. I was talking to someone today. Yeah, today. Just not long before yeah. we came in, about what happens. There must be someone who still believes there's Father Christmas. Yeah. And then ha- has children. <laughs> uh, and then is fully expecting their child to be given presents by Father Christmas. So is then shocked. On Christmas morning, when Father Christmas hasn't come, and assumes his child's been naughty and punished. Must be naughty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that must that must have happened. Must that have happened? No, no, <laughs> not, not even in America. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe like a twelve-year-old has had a child. <laughs> that could have... But I think you know, once they've gone through whatever that happened to make that happen, they've probably know. lost their innocence. Sure, there's some community somewhere that still believes in Father Christmas. All the year round. <laughs> Some community. Yeah. community. Yeah. You've, got, you've raised the stakes from one person <laughs> to now well, a community like, of know, people <laughs> who are just saying, definitely he is. I know he hasn't been for a hundred years, but not he's like, coming, you have to believe. We're not believing I'm enough. Not saying, not like, and I'm not having a go at the Amish, Amish community, but yeah. you know, like the Amish, you know, dressing up. The, you the, are having a go at I'm the Amish I'm not having community. a go. They're not, they don't believe in Father Christmas. No, no, I'm not saying, I'm they saying, just don't like rather buttons. like there is that community, yeah. there may well be in some other state in America. We wouldn't have heard of this Father Christmas. A community that genuinely believes that Father Christmas exists and they till the fields dressed as elves. Uh, And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just... We don't know. I'm going to go. Well, I see, think see, if this was Donald Trump, he'd yeah, say, we don't, we, no, "We don't know. We don't. Could be. Could be. Possibly. Nobody knows. Nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean." Well, I was thinking China because <laughs> 
people say about conspiracy theories. In fact, I say this about conspiracy theories. Yeah. That one of them must be true. You know, the, the others are. Yes. You know, they're, they're out of all the morality true. Yes. So out of all the childhood stuff. Yes. One of them must be true. So the Easter Bunny, maybe, or the Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Father Christmas. The, the um, uh, Penny for the, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harvest. Um, that, that's it. There are no more. <laughs> the Micklemas mouse. The special. Yeah. <laughs> because one of them turned out the tooth fairy could be real. The pancake camel. <laughs> someone was telling me they had to tell their 11 year old child. I was a friend of a friend, so I got it second hand, but someone said their 11 year old child still believed in Father Christmas and they felt, oh, God, we have mm. to. Okay. We have to tell them. And then they said, yeah, what you said, and they took it quite badly. Went, it's okay. At least we've still got the Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> and then went, oh, no. no, no. <laughs> That's all made up. It's a shame, isn't it? It was a man who rose from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very strange. Very strange. Uh, yeah. Let's do some product placement, Armando. Look, this okay. is why this is a perfect man. This Richard, is really what good. have you got for us this week? I want to see... <laughs> I wanted to see uh, what, what people think about this. This is uh, something... I've got to get the actual right name of it because I don't want to get it wrong. Because that's, you know, that's the part of being in the world of advertising. Yes. You should know this. You've got to get the name right. You've got that's to, the, that's the this thing. is from spinelessclassics.com. Mm. What this is, Armando, what do you think about this? This is a, like a poster, but it's of an entire book. This one is 1984. That is the whole text of 1984 on a poster. Up on a board. That's handy, Richard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you've got a magnifying glass, you can read 1984. When I'm on the train but don't have a copy of the paperback, (laughs) I can always get out my (laughs) hard, large, card, oblong, (laughs) and read it. Causing minimum discomfort to the commuters on either side of me. I think it's for display purposes, really. But um, yes. why would you want to display 1984? <laughs> what purpose? To, to keep warning people about its message. Okay. Because you might forget if it's just on a bookshelf, but if it's up there on the wall, go, oh yeah, we better watch out for totalitarian governments. Yes. If although, everyone had one of these, maybe Donald Trump wouldn't be doing so well. That is my point. Okay, but although you say all of 1984 is up there on it, yeah. it is illegible. <laughs> Well, I've got very bad eyesight, so I can't tell. The, all I know is this bit, these three columns. I mean, wow. it's impossible to believe the whole book could get on like that, isn't it? But it is. That's the whole thing. Those three columns are that really That's boring. That's what they want you to think. Do you, do you remember the boring bit in the middle? The, the, 984, there's like a oh, big tree. Smith and he's... Yeah, yeah, it's there. It's three columns worth fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. Uh, so, and there's that one. Is of uh, See if you can guess what that one is. It's James, James Bond. And that, that one... Is James Bond, did you say? Yeah, James Bond, and that one oh, is right. uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, see? Oh, wow. So there you go, so you can get those online. They're, they're very nice. And they're, no, they're hang, on, hang on, hang no, on. What? No. What do you mean you can get those online? <laughs> you get them in, there's loads okay. of <laughs> And then do what with them? <laughs> Put them on your wall. Put them on your wall? You're meant to help me. Don't okay. Let them, don't let the man's in who made that. He's been going for five years, he's really nice. I don't care. <laughs> It's spinelessclassics.com. He gave us 300 quid to make this... You know, that's paid for George, the incompetent Sandman, yeah. who's, who's broken his arm. Oh. He fell off a bike. <laughs> <laughs> what, He's incompetent what? even was in he his... He trying to record... Was he, was in, he was on a Brompton bike. Uh-huh. You know, the ones that fold up. 
Yes, okay. Yeah, and it just unfolded. <laughs> Did he end up in a little cane? <laughs> One foot square cane. <laughs> Compacted metal and rubber. He might have done contraption. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, looks good, that, doesn't it? That's no, it's fine. a good it's, idea. It's a very good thing. idea. Good. Yeah, it's a very it, good it idea. Needs, like, if ten people buy him, then he's all right. He's made some money, so... Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. <laughs> you wanted to be a Catholic priest. Very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. What, you wanted to be one very briefly, or you wanted to... No, very wish... briefly I wanted to be one. <laughs> yeah. At school. Yeah. I, I was at Jesuit school. Yeah. So it was a very Catholic school. And they were very good, actually. They were very sort of free-minded and let us kind of ask lots of... You know, they didn't ram it down our throat. And I, I, I suppose I was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> They asked politely, will you, will so you take this in your mouth, Armando? <laughs> the holy body of Jesus. Yeah. And this. <laughs> that it's on. Um, <laughs> um, but eventually I just thought, this is rubbish. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Good. There we are. Would you would you have been a good Catholic priest? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was all the it was it was all the poverty, chastity, and obedience thing, yeah. really. And the poverty is not. I, I could have. You know, I wasn't. I'm not really into sort of luxuries. It's the chastity and obedience, yeah. really, that, that the, put you off. Put me off. Yeah. Really. So uh, and I just thought, you know, once you hit a certain age, you think, no, that's bollocks. Yeah. Really. No. <laughs> Although I do, I, you know, I do still. I'm still interested in. I do admire people who are. I'm not going to say religious, but who are spiritual, you know, who, 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 you know, are keen to try and come up with a way of life that implies there is something a little bit better than mm-hmm. just us getting through the day. Yeah. Really? There isn't, though, is that? No, I know, but, <laughs> but it's nice to con <laughs> them into nice. thinking that... There's, a, like, communities of people who still believe in Catholicism. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And Father Christmas. Yeah, Father Christmas. In that certain state <laughs> in America. Yeah. Um, you have written... Are you, are you writing a thing about artificial intelligence now? Is that your next uh, It's a script. It's a comedy, a, a movie, yeah. about artificial intelligence. And Is it about it. having sex with robots? Maybe. No, no, there's no sex with robots, no. Okay. No. It's really more based on the premise... You know these... If you go on YouTube and you look at robots now, they're rubbish. They are... <laughs> I mean, they sort of fall over and yeah. can't pick things up, you know. But the premise really is, what if they're software was brilliant so their minds are just you know streets ahead of us but their hardware is still that and yet they decide now is the time to strike (laughs) (laughs) that's because you know the brain is saying kill all humans subjugate them not kill them subjugate them subjugate them yeah but physically (laughs) they've just gone too soon yeah they've just gone too they should have waited yeah so that's the premise <laughs> so that's that's written so I'm right. just I'm the next process of and you've just completed another film I've just finished a film called The Death of Stalin okay which uh, rather like the pizza factory yeah. the clothes in the title <laughs> yeah. in there it, it is I hadn't got to that bit in history yet so I'm annoyed <laughs> you've given away <laughs> yeah. the ending of that yeah one. yeah yeah 1953 Stalin died <laughs> okay and it's about what happens when he dies and the power struggle going on in the Kremlin yeah. to who takes over and Steve Buscemi is Khrushchev and 
Um, Simon Russell Beale is Lovrenti Beria, who's the, who's the villain, the head of all the secret police and right. the torture and stuff like that. And uh, Michael Palin is Molotov. Wow. And Mol- Paul Whitehouse is in it, and um, uh, Andrea Riceborough, and uh, yeah. Brilliant. When's that Jeffrey Tambor is, oh, is, he? is great. Jeffrey Tambor is Malenkov, who takes over from Stalin right. and is no good. <laughs> it's just a rubbish Stalin. Yeah. It's all based on true It's hard true to events. follow Stalin, though, isn't it? Very difficult act to follow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, is, he is the Mockerman Wise <laughs> of single dictators. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Often with dictators, you don't get to follow them because they, they fuck up and that's the end. Like, so there's no, no one had to really follow Hitler in a... No. no. Well, there was the guy, wasn't there, for a, for a couple of weeks who took didn't, over. Yeah, yeah, didn't, yeah. We don't really remember him. And the interesting thing is, you know, Stalin was, um, you know, responsible for millions of deaths, you know, maybe as many as, as Hitler, and yet somehow he's kind of got away with it in that you can, you can joke about Stalin or, or that whole, the whole language around that time. You, you can yeah. say to someone... Ah, Come on, comrade. Stupid, you know, but you can't say to someone, "Ah, you Nazi." It's just, you know, that scene is like yeah. toxic, and yet Stalin somehow is seen as, uh, as fortunately, as the subject of a light-hearted uh, <laughs> look at the events. Um, so, yeah, so that we shot that in the summer, and I'm in the middle of editing that now. Cool. Yeah. And when will that be out? 2017? Yes, yes. I think the idea is to May, June, something like that next year. That's good. And um, there was was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about. What might that be? Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised I've got through this far, to be honest. Um, I'll talk about something else. It wasn't. Oh, we both wrote for up to something. Our, 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 our. Comedy paths something. have crossed about three times. Yeah, that rings about one. One was, was uh, there was the Shane Ritchie, David Schneider, oh, yes. Mike Haley vehicle. Yes, from yes. 1990, yes. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember much about working no. on that? <laughs> no, I don't think I actually wrote for it. I think no. David Nick asked if your, I could have one of my. He did the same to me. One Nick, of my, one of my jokes. Yeah, and then said and gave me fifty quid. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it was all right. Very good. Anyone remember up to something? Nope. Shane Ritchie. Remember, it might come up on pointless. Yeah. <laughs> What else is in your book? Well, there's all sorts of things. Dad, your dad owned a pizza factory. Yeah. You, at 14, you went to the library to read Hansard. Yes. Yeah. You were quite a nerdy I, child. I'm very nerd. I know, I know. I was very nerdy. <laughs> very uncool. Very, you know, not into, like, fashion or nothing like that. And I sort of resented it. I kind of... I think that was part of why I wanted to go into comedy. I just... I hated the way that, you know, society could bully you into wearing a certain type of clothes yeah. or listening to certain type of music and I just didn't like that yeah. so I, I kind of just thought I just want to do my own yeah. and I still hate labels you know they hate the idea of people being labelled as such apart from idiots who believe in Father Christmas <laughs> or I think people who support no, Donald Trump yeah. I'm sure it's true of a lot of comedians yeah. I mean A that comedians are quite nerdy but also yeah. that kind of because that sort of thing but bothered me but do you not me. think there's a, the thing that I loathe now is that comedians are now cool aren't they yes, there's a kind of old like generation of sort of trendy kind of cool comedians and I, I do just I resent it yeah because it's, it's not that, that, that they're not us are that, they that wasn't, we, that wasn't in our world no. we weren't offered that choice no we really. were uncool and yeah. that's how we got out of it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did comedy yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. be cool through comedy it's yeah. really it does annoy me yeah um, we should kill them we should <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and uh, well, so, yeah, what, what was your favourite bit of Hansard that you would? <laughs> no. So Hansard's the right just it's, what's it's happened the in Parliament. Of what the happened in the of Commons. It was I mean, before it's, it's turned out to be good for you in the end. But it was before uh, you could. There were cameras, television cameras in the House of Commons, and I was just interested in, to, in certain debates, like when. Um, you know, when the government fell on a vote of no confidence and yeah. Margaret Thatcher laid into James Cameron, I just was quite interested to read what actually happened in it, really. Did you have posters of Malcolm Rifkin on your wall? And that kind no. Of thing? no, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I got to look round uh, Cecil Parkinson's house a week before he died. <laughs> have the police spoken to you about this? <laughs> I, 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 saw Chris, I saw Cecil Parkinson on New Year and he died in January, didn't he? Right, because oh, I'm looking know. for a house. I went and looked around his house. Oh, I see. He was by surprise. I, w- I walked in. And there and he this was. man came up to me and said, "Hello, I'm Cecil Parkinson." And I looked up and said, "Oh yeah, you are." He's quite nice. <laughs> he was quite an avuncular figure. He told me that the well in the uh, the village uh-huh. uh, that he lived in, uh, in times of pestilence, you're allowed to draw one bucket of water out of that well. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'll buy a house then. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't buy Did it. No, it was weird. My wife didn't realise who he was, uh-huh. uh, and didn't really know who he was. He's quite. Do you know who Cecil Parkinson is? I mean, he was a very evil, basically the most sort of evil politician. <laughs> he was a, a very unpleasant man. Well, he sort of um, he uh, he has an affair with his secretary. Yeah, is that right? And then and they had a child, and then he. I don't even know to this day whether he, he imposed an order on, so it became illegal even to mention this child. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to be in school photos at all. So yeah, was, uh, and which is was, why I'm saying I'm not even sure whether yeah. what we're doing now is allowed. Is allowed. Uh, he's dead now. Fuck him. Uh, right. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting constitutional. It uh, is. Uh, minefield our, that our we're producer entering, can yeah. sort it out he can just put in the beeps again of the Prince Andrew yeah. beeps yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know if you know about Prince Andrew, Andrew. He's, he, uh, yeah. what he does yeah. <laughs> all true apparently it is all it's true, all true yeah. it is all true yeah. Uh, but yeah it was very so uh, we were looking around yeah. this house uh, A there's like quite a lot of paintings and busts of him uh, and also there was all the up one staircase there was all the labour isn't working publicity uh, right, yeah. and there was a, like a Christmas card from uh, the, the Camerons on the mantelpiece and my, you know, my wife was slowly kind of looking around going what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I once found myself going around Geoffrey Archer's house oh, really? uh, in, uh, he, he bought um, who's that poet who got killed in the First World War Rupert Brooke Rupert Brooke's uh, house in uh, Grantchester, is it just outside Cambridge? Is it Grantchester? That's made up, isn't it? That's from the Archers, isn't it? Is it that's <laughs> from Thomas Hardy or something? It's I don't know. Anyway, Rupert Brooks' house <laughs> yeah, no, outside Cambridge, and I was invited to a thing that was nothing to do with Geoffrey Archer. It was just a, it was a charity thing, but it was um, his wife was hosting the event, so it was at their house. So he was around. And uh, you got to one around his house, and the bathroom downstairs is just, it's a bizarre, it's just full of front pages of magazines about Geoffrey Archer, including the scandals. Yeah. Was there a brown paper bag full of money behind this toilet system? (laughs) But there was just, there was no, you know, there was like, look at all the things that we've done, including the scandals, (laughs) just like paraded for you on the the wall. I remember, and there was a, there was a little bridge going over a, a, a pond full of fish. Right. And a little girl who we, who we knew came over to us and said, oh, that man over there, he's very odd. And I said, oh, well, that's Geoffrey Archer. Why? <laughs> and, and, and she said, oh, because I, I said I like the fish. And, and he said, oh, oh, do you like these fish? 
Each one of these carp represents a West End musical I put money into. (laughs) (laughs) I said, don't don't go back. Don't, Don't speak to him. Step away. We'll find your parents. It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's blood, brothers. <laughs> does he have to, if the carp dies, does he then replace it with another carp and have to remember which carp yeah. is which? No, the musical is just closed for a, for a day. You know, the, the lights go out on London's West End. <laughs> the mousetrap carp is still alive. That's why they, alive. they can't get rid of the mousetrap. Yeah. Um, it's interesting seeing that. It was horrible, though, Cecil Parkinson. Yeah. Well, he bet, and he also he never saw his. He had a, she was brain damaged and mentally. Oh yeah, no, no, he completely. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah, that's definitely true. Didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't afford his house, but you know, it was nice yeah. to look around. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> do you think there's a lot of people? I think there's a lot. I'm trying to sell my house at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and I think a lot of people just come around just to like. To see Richard Herring's house. No, no, no I think. Well, no, I, that's why I, I went round to and, well, like a celebrity chef who I can never remember the name of his house. He's quite uh-huh. famous on telly, and the woman, the estate agent, was all like, oh, "You're going to be. I think you're going to recognise this guy." I was going, "Excuse me, yeah. I am me. <laughs> I'm not going to be impressed. You should be impressed that you're showing me round his house." But she didn't recognise me from these podcasts for some reason. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so no, but I should have put it on. I, <laughs> I think a lot of people I've had like three or four people come around who come around three or four times hmm. and then just go away and I think they just like to make you think they're going to buy your house because okay. they get like because of the power of it I don't you think it's like I think so, it's, have you ever experienced that like just still three there's a woman who came around three times like twice and they think oh good we're going to get an offer we're going to offer hmm. and then just nothing happened and then we talked to another sage and he said is it Mrs. Clements or whatever her name was he said and said yeah and he said oh yeah she came around one of my houses seven times <laughs> seven times she also probably goes to lots of funerals and yeah, maybe, things yeah. like that you That's know just anyway it's fun having a house isn't it uh, so um, <laughs> it's not, nice having a house isn't it <laughs> in 2010 you voted for the Liberal Democrats yeah how did that work out <laughs> In 2011, I, <laughs> I regretted my... Who are you going to vote for now, if now there's nothing in the centre? I don't know. I mean, that is the problem. I just... I'm confused. Yeah. I'm confused. I don't know. It's hard, well, isn't it? It won't be for Theresa May. <laughs> but it's... Uh, I, you know, I've, I, I, you know, it will come as so, no surprise that I tend to be a bit, you know, woolly liberal left of centre, whatever. Yeah. So I gravitate between Labour and Lib Dem. I don't know. No idea. Uh, that's the depressing thing, in that politics are sort of fragmented so much. There are three Labour parties now, and yeah. there's, there's actually four Conservative parties. There's the hard Brexiters and soft Brexiters and Remainers and yeah. Allsburn. You know, it's, it's so confusing. I can see why you know, the number of people who vote in an election has been going down and down for the last 25 years, yeah. because it's so un... Inviting, so unappetising, really. Yeah, and why a lot of people feel actually maybe uh, I I don't agree, but I can see why a lot of people think forget it, yeah. let's not vote, let's try and achieve change through some other means. Yeah, 
I mean, it's sort of do. Uh, do you think like a? Do you think it needs to be a new centre? I mean, it, it feels like there's a lot of people in the centre, also, on think, both sides of the centre, you know, who aren't being represented. Without, by without being a kind of, but I'm going to sound it um, a, a, a very dry um, uh, electoral reformer. I do think fundamentally the problem is we have an electoral system that only works if there are two big, strong, highly popular p- parties, yeah. and we don't have those now. We've got each party that's not so strong, um, and, and the system doesn't work anymore. So you now get, for example, um, you know, you get a Conservative Party who's elected on what thirty-six percent of the vote. That's not very much, no. and yet have a majority—not a big majority, but a majority. Yeah. Once you have a majority, you have absolute power. So you give someone absolute power, even though they're only elected by thirty-six percent of the population. In the nineteen fifties. Labour and Conservative, you know, used to get, thing, you know, 47, 48% of the vote. So, therefore, it kind of made sense to yeah. have that system. But if you don't have that system now, you could... De- and, therefore, if 36% people, percent of the population vote for the government, it does mean that there's... Oh, what's the maths now? There's what, 64% of people who didn't. Yeah. So the majority didn't, which is why you get this... Um, increasing level of frustration and disappointment yeah. and anger and nobody quite knows where to direct it. So that's that's the problem. Do you think you should stand for, for government? No, I'd be terrible. <laughs> I'd be dreadful because I'm so used to, and it may possibly as a result of what I've done in, in terms of the work I do, you see so many sides to it that I couldn't do that. Uh, you know, if, if I was on Newsnight and somebody said, what do you think of this? I'd have to do, well, on the one hand, this, but I can see their point too, and you mustn't get, you know, so I, I'd buckle under yeah. that. Yeah, isn't of. that a good thing? I mean, I sort of feel like everyone, it's sort of become that if you are consistent, that is an admirable thing. Yeah, uh, but as I think the consistent people are the ones who fuck everything up on this. Well, is aren't that the people aren't the people who prepared just weigh up both sides and change their mind. I, I think the... I think decisiveness is overrated. Yeah. I really do because uh, I think people who just go, yeah, let's do that. You know, you think, oh, great, they're decisive, but no, they may have just rushed into a decision that is actually bad. Yeah. And, and that was a lot through the 80s. You've got people, Margaret Thatcher. I mean, I don't agree. I don't agree with her. I don't agree with her. But, uh, you know, but, but she knows what she thinks. <laughs> she knows what she thinks, you know. And, uh, yes, but you don't agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you see the Trump thing, you know, he's, you know, he just says it like it is. He just says it like it is. Well, yes, but have you heard what he says? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's that. But if, the, if Trump doesn't win, yeah, then, I don't think he will win. But then someone else will next. I mean, it's sort of like they've realised that that the genie's out of the bottle, isn't it? That we don't the facts are no longer. And that's the problem. Than, than that's the problem in America now as well, which is you know that system only works if it's too big fairly cohesive parties but yeah. it's not the republicans are split and the democrats are split so which is why you get the extremists on the right and you get the bernie sanders sort of movement supporters who are looking for alternative because the, the system is bust you know and and that's what's happening all over and the whole brexit thing is 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 you know is is the country sort of articulating that frustration really yeah. you know one way or the other yeah so we get rid of democracy no, that has its own problems. <laughs> okay. As you'll see in my movie, yeah. 
the death of Stalin uh, <laughs> coming out in the cinemas. Uh, Is there only the problem that Stalin wasn't immortal? That's the only. If he lived forever, it would. I mean, been they tried right. to keep him. Uh, they tried to preserve his body. Right. You know, like Lenin. They, yeah. They, and do you know this? Because we spoke to the people who are in charge of the preserving. Right. And there's little electronic. There's little motors inside pumping it and also fanning it and keeping the temperature right. It's full of electronics. And inside Lenin or inside... Lenin, in, yeah. Len- in Lenin. No, what they, happened to Stalin? Is Stalin they, just, they just re-rotted, They, they just they? pickled him and <laughs> shoved him out the back. <laughs> I think he's making a bit of a resurgence, actually. It's interesting, in, in Moscow... He's not coming back, though, is he? <laughs> As a robot. Um, in Moscow, because Putin now is very much into... If you go around Moscow... There are statues. You can see portraits of Stalin around, and 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 statues of Tsar Nicholas II. So it's like, it's almost like he said, "I don't care which spectrum they're from. Yeah. If they're authority figures, I want them up there. I want people to get to like authority figures. I just want that idea to sort of seep into their consciousness. Right. Authority figures. Yeah, because the royal family are like saints now to the Russian people. The, 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 so, yeah, yeah, and the Russian Orthodox Church is yeah. very big, and and. And Putin has allied himself with a sort of sect within the Russian Orthodox Church who believe that um, Moscow is the third Rome. Right. You know, Rome moved to Constantinople and then it's moved up to Moscow. And, that, and so, you know, not funny, but... We're allowed to be educational and interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing I was going to ask you about was about another idea you had about um, internet billionaires. That was another, the kids become young people getting, making lots of money on the internet. You were going to do a sitcom about that? Yeah, I did. I was, when we wrote Veep, we also yeah. wrote a, a thing about Silicon Valley for right. HBO. And they, they, they said, can we put it to one side at the moment? Because we, we don't really think the time is quite right for a Silicon Valley sitcom. <laughs> and then two years later, <laughs> I think they were just too polite to say, oh, we've already got one. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was that idea. Right. So I thought, well, now Silicon Valley. And it's yeah. very funny. I, there's no point in me doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Well, oh yeah, you were almost trampled by a hippopotamus. Yeah. Can't believe I forgot about that. Can't believe that you've left that to near the yeah, end. Yeah. Well, that's, I thought I'd say the you almost drowned in Mauritius. Yes. Yes. I tend to nearly die on yeah. holiday. Yeah. Got to be careful. That's when yeah. you're relaxing. I uh, yes. So I was. Um, uh, we were in uh, the Kruger Park in South Africa, and uh, we were on a. And a nighttime safari, so you go out at night and it's an open top jeep and you shine torches into the trees. Yeah. And you see the little eyes of, you know, bush babies and you know, most animals um run away from the light, apart from hippos. Right. Who are bastards. <laughs> and if they see light, they go, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and they charge at you. Especially if you've come between them and the water, yeah, right. which we had. Right. And the, the driver just, he just, he, he was a big guy, but he, he immediately, you know, put the thing on and yeah. sped off as fast as he could. We got away from it, but he was like shaking at the right. end of it. He said, I've always wondered what would happen if I saw a hippo at night. No. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Rachel and I, my wife and I, we just thought, God, if we died, what would the funeral be like? Because. <laughs> People would be upset, but on the other hand, yeah. we were trampled to death by a hippo. Yeah. And that would be... And I think there's a Graham Greene short story about a guy whose father got killed by a pig falling on him. Right. And he's never quite come to terms with the fact that people don't 
take his father's death seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's you know, I worry about dying in an embarrassing way. Yeah. What, what's your favourite embarrassing way to die? <laughs> well, there's loads of ways. I, ne- you know, I nearly choked to death on an apricot stone. Okay. When I was eating an apricot and I just ate the stone by mistake yeah. on my own. And I just thought, that's... I was, <laughs> as it was happening, I was just thinking... I thought I was going to die. No. And I was just thinking, oh. What stupid, oh. pointless way! <laughs> so that and that's not even you know that an accident where a hippo attacks you. At least that's not your fault. No. And what happened when you were drowned? You nearly drowned. Drowning. So uh, this was uh, Mauritius. They, they advertised this thing you can walk on the seabed. I thought I'll, I'll do that. I've yeah. done a little bit of sort of scuba diving before. And what this is, but it's actually you go out in this boat, and, and it looked really like Jules Verne. It was like a glass helmet they, <laughs> right. they put on you, <laughs> and they put weights, lead weights on your belt and your shoes yeah. and you, you sink to the it's not that deep but, it, but you are completely submerged. you're underwater and there's a tube going from the glass helmet up to the boat sort <laughs> yeah. of pumping in the air and the idea is on the seabed there's lots of it's coral and there's lots of beautiful fish and you can hold out some food and they all come to you except my glass helmet was, was filling up with water <laughs> uh, and therefore I had less and less oxygen yeah. And therefore, I, was, I, I went into that kind of drowning state where I was going, oh, I'm drowning, but oh, oh I can't be bothered. <laughs> oh, just somebody sort of... And there was, there was another diver out there who saw it and just, you could see his eyes dart open and he turned a valve and, and the air came in and the water started <laughs> going down. You know. And the thing was, I came back afterwards and Rachel said, so how did you get on? And I said, well, I nearly died. And, <laughs> And I was, I was thinking, why aren't you upset? And, and she was saying, because you didn't. You, you clearly didn't. You might have nearly died, but you yeah. didn't. You know, so that's why I'm not upset. <laughs> so, yes. So you stupid have, comedy yeah. deaths, I nearly... I, yeah. I, yeah. Do you ever worry that you might have died, and it's like in Sixth Sense, and you're... And you and, are... And, well, I could be dead as well, or I could yes. be just doing a... a a uh, practice interview to an empty chair. And you're sitting <laughs> there and answering. Well, I mean, I was told <laughs> when I came here that this interview will go on for 20 years. So. It, so it, it could do. It might yeah. do. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you. I think we might have to wrap it. Let me just check. There's nothing else I would, wanted to ask you. Just, talk amongst yourself for a minute. <laughs> I think we covered it all. That's good. Oh, you, you abseiled off the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford. That's right, yeah. Did you nearly die doing that? Nope. No? Nope. That's quite dangerous, abseiling it, it was. It, it's, not, it's not really. It is. fall <laughs> off. At least you're in a hospital if you fall yeah, off. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was raising money to, to stop people dying. <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. nice of you. Yeah. And when it worked, <laughs> and now nobody dies. Are there... <laughs> Are you able to pinpoint any people who are still alive because of you abseiling down that thing? Well, no, you're, you're dead. And, okay, and I, might be, oh, God, I might be dead. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And you're just talking to yourself and it yes. doesn't make sense. Now, all the people who haven't died as a result of that do have to just pay me 10% of the, yeah. a, a tithe yeah. every year. Yeah. I think it'd be nice if you know you've literally saved yeah. someone's life yeah. to just ring them up every now and go, yeah, remember? Remember yeah. the old abseil I did? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to remind you of it. It's just remind you. Just, just every year for the rest of your life. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> just give me some of your money. 10%. That's all. Yeah. You know. Wouldn't want something to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Like them suddenly forget the cure to that disease. <laughs> eh? Eh? <laughs> well, it's been lovely. Thank you, Mr. Yanucci, to you. <laughs> yeah.
Thank you for coming back on to the show. It's a pleasure. Before it's been lovely to talk to you, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> please give it up for Armando Unici. Thank you very much. Thank you. Armando Unici. Listening to Richard Herring's That's Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Armando Hiolucci. Uh, the music is, as always, by Pest. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, to everyone at the British Comedy Guide, everyone at iTunes. Why not? Let's thank them. Why not? And everyone at Go Faster Strike for all their help in making this. This is produced by Ben Walker, though today these credits have been produced by George, the incompetent one-armed sound man who has broken one of his arms through wanking, as I'm sure I will have already said. Uh, it is a Go Faster Strike, Sky Potato and Fuzz Production. And that is all I have to say. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. If you want to see more, then go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges. Come and see us at Less Square Theatre, lessquaretheatre.com. Hey, why not go to spinelessclassics.com and buy a whole book on a sheet? That would be nice. And come see me on tour, richchain.com slash gigs. Thanks a lot for listening. See you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.